John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 to 12. <clears throat> A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, all. Good morning. Thank you, Jane. And uh, I hope you've had a nice weekend. It was my parents' golden anniversary yesterday, which was very exciting. So we went out for a nice meal down in Sussex for that. And um, I do want to start, though, uh, with an apology from my daughter, Clara, who unfortunately can't be with us at church today uh, because she is on a weekend away uh, with the St. John's Ambulance at a, the delightfully named Gordon Brown Outdoor Education Centre. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. And it did uh, rather tickle me. What is the connection, I wondered. But then I did my research and as I share a few photos of the centre with you, I'm sure you'll agree that after 13 years of carefully balancing the public finances, an ambitious home-building programme, introducing the winter fuel allowance, and spearheading new efforts to get food to those in need, it is a fitting tribute to his years of public service, of which he can be rightly proud. <laughs> But there we go. But as we think about the connection uh, or lack of between buildings and people, or indeed between this illustration and this sermon, let me ask you a question. How connected are you to the community in which you live and to the people of this church? What's your answer? Just ponder that for a moment. 
Well, as we look at this theme of connecting today, one of our three vision priorities, which is therefore really central to our strategy as a church. I hope and pray uh, that this will help us move closer to the reality that we are called to, which that passage certainly uh, challenges us to do. But first of all, I thought we could just have a little uh, discussion with our neighbor just for a couple of minutes, okay? And here's the question. It's one that Sophie actually framed for us in our staff Bible study this week, and I think it, it's pretty thought-provoking. So here it is. What, as Christians, makes our friendships and relationships different from the world's? Okay? What, as Christians, makes our friendships and relationships different from the world's? So I do turn to your neighbor just for a couple of minutes and let's share what you come up with for that. Okay, let's uh, come back together. What did you come up with? Anyone want to uh, share something just just uh, in a sentence? Yep, we got one. Do you want to share? great example that is and that that's wonderful isn't it anyone else want to share something that came up yeah go on in karen yeah 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 good one more yeah do you want to go for it sheila Yes, absolutely. Indeed. 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to build on all of those themes in the sermon, but I liked those three. Well, that was good. It's always a risk seeing what you're going to say, but there we go. I was happy enough with that. Okay, right. Well, on with the sermon. And uh, here on the screen is what I want to uh, talk about today. This, if you like, is my statement of what I think the biblical vision of connecting is and which I want to be the, um, you know, the outworking of our vision priority to connect with each other. So it's this, our call to connect. We are called to share God's love by sharing our lives with the clear purpose that we would share the good news and grow others in faith. Does that make sense? I honestly think it, good, I'm glad it makes sense. I honestly think it reflects those passages we just heard read. And we do it by forming active connections intentionally and sacrificially. Intentionally because they just don't happen to anywhere near the great the same extent unless we are intentional. And sacrificially because only some of them happen if uh, we only do the easy ones. And this is a ministry of love, I want to suggest, that is also a ministry of fun, which can in turn become a ministry of transformation as it changes people's lives. And uh, we'll hear more about how that can happen. So that's where we're heading. But let's dive back into the Bible then and those two passages that we heard that I think make God's expectations um, and his vision in this area clear. And starting with that John passage in which Jesus recognizes that Christian relationships, as we've just heard, uh, should go well beyond what those outside the church would expect. And let's not overlook how striking that is. For what does Jesus say is our defining characteristic in that passage, at least? It's not our beliefs, important though they are, obviously. It's not our rituals either. It's the love that we have for each other. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, it's by that, and not those other things, that people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is describing a situation of deeply attractive community, which is not a reference to our looks, although, you know, I like to think some of us might uh, be deeply attractive, not me. <laughs> but um, it's not about that, is it? It's about our relationships of love, in which those looking in from the outside think, that's what I want. If that's what God is like, if he's like that experience of love and welcome that I've received, well, then I want him in my life. I want relationships like those. I want to be part of a community like that, in which we're not just in it for ourselves, but we have a completely different way of seeing each other because of how God sees us. But to really see the power of this, we need to realize that this is far more than simply being nice to our friends. Because there's nothing distinctive about that. In fact, the whole world functions on the basis of this kind of exchange. Um, you give something to me, and I give something to you. And I studied social anthropology a bit at university, first time around. And I soon discovered that this principle of you give something to me and I give something back to you is as old as the hills 
in every type of society, everywhere in the world. For most of history, um, it's, it's really manifested itself in what the anthropologists call gift exchange, in which societies get on with each other and within them by giving gifts as a way of regulating human relationships. Now, latterly, in this uh, last hundred years or, or more, uh, it's been more through friendship and favor. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. But at its heart, it means that every relationship, family excluded, obviously, becomes transactional, at least to a large degree. You do this for me and I'll do that for you. It's why we make friends mostly, if not almost entirely, with people that we want to reciprocate. Whether that's for play dates, dinner invitations, a pint of beer, or a cup of tea. We generally focus on people like us. Which has the further consequence that when people feel they have as many friends as they need, as some people do, they lose their motivation to get to know anyone else. And does this basis of self-interest, even though those friendships like that are good, of course they are, but does this basis of self-interest produce true community? Of course it doesn't. Because it restricts relationships almost entirely to our peers, means new people find it hard to integrate, and means some people, through no fault of their own, become excluded or overlooked. But Jesus says that true Christian community should be far Far more. Because the basis of the relationships we are called to is not what we can get out of them. It's what Jesus has given to us. We give because we have received. For Jesus said, as I have loved you, meaning he's both the reason to do this and he's the role model for doing it. We love others because he loved us out of gratitude for his abundant grace and we love in the way that he loved without self-interest unconditionally open to everyone whatever class color culture or creed putting their need of true church community over our convenience with a bigger picture that we are living authentically following our calling and building exactly the sort of community that actually we all want to be part of ourselves. So we do benefit. It's worth the effort because then we become that community that actually deep down we long to be in. And we see the same principles, the same blueprint for Christian community actually in that other passage that we heard read as well from 1 Thessalonians. And in it, Paul offers himself again as a role model in addition to Jesus As he shares what drives his own ministry of connecting. He probably didn't use that word exactly. But that's effectively what he did. With the clear implication that he thinks that his readers and us should follow suit. So what did drive Paul then? We've heard about Jesus' principle. Well, for Paul, it again starts with a lack of self-interest. As he shares that he chooses not to be a burden to anyone as he prioritizes their interests over his own. And second, the motivation is the same too, um, as with that passage from John. As he writes, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you. It's love that drives him to do this. And what he then shares are both vital elements 
of our call to connect. For he shares not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Really thought-provoking words. And in terms of connecting outside the church, which is a big part of what I'm talking about here, the fact that these two things go together, sharing our lives and sharing the gospel, reminds us that we have to earn the right to share our faith. For people often only take our words seriously when they truly get to know us and know that our lives back it up. And we know that, don't we? They also listen far more readily to people they trust, people they've grown to like, and people who have invested in them. If you want to share Jesus with someone, and I hope that you do, the first thing to do is to share of yourselves. Allow them to get to know the real you. Not easy to do? Well, it's quite easy to do, but we have to be willing to be vulnerable, willing to be open, willing to make the effort. I'm willing to make the time. But when we do, it establishes the connection and the goodwill that we need. So that's connecting for faith sharing. But there's also connecting for faith growing, because that was what Paul was talking about as well. And I really want to stress here that this is part of all of our responsibility. And we've been reflecting, for example, on how good we are welcoming. And thank you for your lovely testimony from our visitor today about that. And actually, we are a very welcoming church. But where the gap is, is integration. It's what happens next. It's moving people from a great welcome to actually being integral to our community and feeling feeling fully settled with the friendships and support that they need. And that's what we're really working on. And let me be brutally honest. The church staff and the the, the host teams cannot do that on their own. You know, we can do a bit. It's difficult for the host teams because they've got other jobs to do, like serving the drinks and whatever and showing us to our seats. And we've got other jobs to do, you know, the clergy and the, the other staff as well. But if we all take responsibility, then there's enough of us to integrate everyone and to move everyone into that experience of true Christian community and church as family that I think that we all long for. So we've all got a role in helping making it happen. Paul put it like this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom of glory. And I'm I'm sure as you hear this, you realize that that's not just saying hello to someone, right? That's actually caring enough to be working towards that goal of encouraging them comforting them, supporting them in their faith in a way that actually makes a difference. We all need every part of the body of Christ to keep us all going because it's pretty tough sometimes, let's be honest. We all need that individual encouragement and support. And you don't need to have been in the church 20 years or 30 years to be able to do that. You could have been here three weeks. If you go up to someone and encourage them and get to know them, You can be as much of a blessing as someone who's been here, you know, for decades and decades. So what does that mean? Well, it means if we're not actively cultivating relationships to share or build up others in our faith, well, that vital element of our calling as the body of Christ is being missed. And connecting intentionally with each other is how we do it, whether that's inside or outside 
the church. So as we move now into the final part of this sermon, let's get practical. How do we actually connect? Who do we connect with? And what do we connect around? And my answer to that uh, begins with almost stating the obvious, that we first connect with people by forming an intentional, friendly, open conversation with others. And that we... and that we seek to do it with everyone without partiality as time and opportunity permits and we do it around whatever common ground we can find whether it's a shared context a shared interest a shared problem a shared passion of course our shared faith or simply by taking an interest in one of their interests even if we don't actually share it ourselves like my wife pretending to be interested in football whilst we were dating. (laughs) I'm not sure if I reciprocated. Uh, She's fairly honest about her lack of interest now. (laughs) But whatever we can identify, whether it's made up or real, and it's probably mostly real, they become the point of connection, the platform on which we can then build. So what might that look like? Well, in a church context, I think it does mean, on the whole, that we can just go up to people. That is normal behavior. That's part of being a friendly and welcoming church. No one's likely to mind. In another context, like the school gate or the supermarket, it might be more driven by circumstances, typically waiting in a queue together. But let's be honest, that happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Especially in England. Basically, it's whenever friendly conversation is normal or acceptable. And once we're in conversation... It's looking for that connection. So for me, I'll explore geography. I'll be asking, you know, where do you live? Where have you lived? And see if there's a connection there over a place that I know or a place I'd like to know more about. And we can talk about that. I'll explore family context, see if they've got children or grandchildren, what ages they are, whether there's a point of connection with me there. I'll explore employment or volunteering, hobbies, and interests, including, yes, football, if helpful. And then, when relevant, I'll explore church backgrounds, perhaps, as well as political or cultural points of connection, too. My goal is always that this person wants to talk to me again, and I've got an easy way into a further conversation next time we meet. And, of course, we can all do that. Maybe not with everyone, but with some people at least. But we need to choose to do it, even if we feel we already have enough friends. For if we don't make space for it, we and others miss out. We miss out on that rich tapestry of the diversity of people that are here in our community. We miss out on the rewards of getting to know people who are different to ourselves. We miss out on that sense of living with integrity the calling we've been given. But when we choose to connect in the circumstances where we're already loaded up with friends, we already know lots and lots of people, well, we're choosing to prioritize the needs of others, the needs of the church, and the needs of the kingdom over any minor inconvenience to ourselves, especially at those moments of maximum opportunity to bless someone else like Sunday mornings or those chance and opportune encounters during the week. And I'm sure you agree that is a sacrifice worth making. 
And that means at church then, our priority on the whole should be those that we don't know so well, rather than just catching up with those that we already do. And that in our other contexts during the week, we don't allow ourselves to be too busy to respond to the stranger or acquaintance that we could witness to or befriend. It's about laying down our agenda and freeing ourselves to respond quickly and boldly to God's, having prayed that he would bring opportunities along that day and praying that each day. And once we're in that mindset, it becomes habitual and most definitely enjoyable. I used to love my Sunday service routine uh, as a normal uh, church member right through my 20s. And uh, what it consisted of is I would always pray before I went to church, God, who do you want me to sit next to? And uh, it generally was someone I didn't really know or had never met at all. And I'd do the same thing, pray. I would pray as the service went on, God, who do you want me to talk to afterwards? And again, I would expect and discover that he would prompt me and really significant conversations would occur. I'd pray that he'd help me to introduce them to other people that could help befriend them and bring them into the community. And in the context that I was, it was all about taking them through to coffee, through to the pub, and so on. And once we achieved that, they were well on the way to making this their spiritual home. Now, maybe I was a little bit weird. I don't know. I was particularly friendly and confident. I'm an extrovert, whatever. But could we all do that? To a degree, we could, you know. And uh, we just need that heart. Do you believe that if you pray, God, who do you want me to talk to, that he will answer that prayer? Do you believe that? Yeah? And do you believe that there will be a more effective growth of our community if lots of us prayed that each week than if we didn't? Okay. There we go. And it's more fun going to church like that. I realize if you're coming with someone else, you know, there is a degree to which you can sit with, should sit with them. But you can pray collectively. Who do you want us to sit next to? And uh, yeah, see what happens. I commend it to you. But of course, this mindset and heart for connecting goes well beyond the first meeting to forming proper ongoing relationships so that the person experiences something well beyond a good welcome to the help with integration and befriending that they need. Think of it like the parable of the Good Samaritan that most of us, if not all of us, know. Because the Samaritan didn't just administer first aid. That's the equivalent of that first friendly welcome. He cared for them until they were well and truly back on their feet and healed. The equivalent of having formed some good ongoing relationships and started to feel at home, set up to flourish and grow in the church. And of course, in some cases where God is prompting us, it means organizing to meet up during the week. But that's where a connection can really grow established and firm. It's where friendship can start with all the benefits that can bring. And when we're willing to do that with those outside the church, as well as those inside, and I really hope that we are, that's when the opportunities for the kingdom can really kick in. God doesn't want us to live in a Christian bubble. He wants us to live in wonderful, loving relationships that people want to experience when they come in, but to take those loving relationships into the situations that we mix with others 
wherever we go, at work, at play, and uh, all those other places in our community. And that's where common interests and common passions can become common activities as well. Getting people to mix together, those from the church, those outside the church, around things that we enjoy doing together, things that we feel strongly about, things that we have in common, is a wonderful thing. What a golden opportunity we've got this week. I realize it's a bit late perhaps to do this, but having a tea party, you know, having a gathering for the Jubilee, bringing people to Oasis, which allows you to be part of one, even if you've not organized one yourself. I'm sure many of us have got that going on. But what a great opportunity it is, but one that we can build on at other times too. How could you get people together to allow those relationships of love to have their impact in the way that God would long them to? I've said enough. I just want to give us just uh, another moment uh, for discussion, just for a couple of minutes again. Let's go back to the people that we spoke to, to earlier and just share this. How would you be interested in connecting in new ways? Do you want to just have a couple of minutes just on that in the light of what I've shared? Is there anything that you want to say? No, no, no. no so yeah, I might as well. Yeah, so I was just going to list through all of those yeah, things okay. and then watch the video and then we'll just do the song. Great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jane. Sorry, you're on. So are you on your own. So are you on your own. How are you today? Becca is, is, um, oh, yes, she's recruited. Yeah, no, yeah, I did so hear that. I did yeah, hear that. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah. No, that'll be good. That'll be nice. And obviously, you uh, contributed to some ideas for the men's yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, as well. So, that, this week, yeah. we're going to go through all of those forms. I've just had a crazy week again, yeah. but this week, oh, we're going to go through them all and see what comes of it and write cool. it up and send it around. So, that'd be, cool, that'd be yeah. nice. Yeah. It was a nice breakfast, actually. Yeah, no, it I was. Okay, let's come back. I hope that was helpful. I'm not going to ask for feedback now because uh, we, we need to finish, but I would be interested in hearing. If anything came up, uh, that's something that, that you think we as a church could help facilitate, whether that's reaching out beyond the church or stuff we can do internally, do let us know um, and build on it. You know, it's only just taking the opportunity to invite God to speak and then reflect together that produces often the best of ideas. And uh, we just need to ask that question and then see what we can do to put it into practice. So let me just share for you uh, as we move into really effectively um, our final notices now, what is coming, what is happening in the next few months that we've as a church have organized recognizing that it's the things that you can make happen on a smaller level that also 
uh, can really help build the community that we need. So uh, Tuesday, we have got Oasis. This is a special Platinum Jubilee Oasis, even though that's not reflected in 